You're listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. Amen. Ms. Treber and I came here on February the 8th, 1976, and had the first day of preaching here. I loved it. And then God allowed us to come and pastor this church. When I first came here, of course, though I was an assistant pastor for several years, I wasn't a preacher. I hadn't preached but three times in my life. Once was when my father-in-law left town. Once was when all the other preachers and I was on staff, uh, they had broken legs, broken arms. They were sick. They were out of town. And the last minute they called and said, now, Brother Jack, you're our last hope. You're preaching today. And I said, well, what do you mean today? And they said, like in about an hour, you're preaching. And I preached. One time I preached on the radio. Same thing happened. Uh, I, uh, I had other churches that wanted me to be their pastor, churches of nine people and 13 people, no salary. And every time they found out that I had no experience, they said no. And I'm so very thankful to Ed Brownlee. I, I told him, he's with our Lord, our chairman. I said, now, Brother Ed, I, I, I'm young, and I've been an assistant pastor about four years, but I've never preached, really. And he said, we don't really care. If you're God's man, we want you. I'll never forget that. But I was so backward. I'd go to the door. I'd shake hands with people at the old building, just a small little A-frame building. We tore it down since. And I'd go to the door and shake hands with people. And as I saw it was winding down, I started making my way so I could hide in the baptistry room. Because I thought somebody was going to ask me a question on eschatology, the doctrine of last things, when's Jesus coming again, or talk to us about the millennial kingdom. And I had no idea. I studied in school but I didn't know Bible answers. And so I'd hide when I realized that the line was getting low. I knew somebody was going to trip me up. I never allowed myself to get in that position. I can recall deacons meeting. I think I had four. And I'd get sick. I'd get sick on Thursday night those days for deacons meeting because I didn't know if they were going to get rid of me. My wife's shaking her head. You remember, I'd get a headache. I'd get nauseous. I didn't know what I was doing. I thought they were going to ask me questions that proved how stupid I was, you know, things of that nature. And uh, I got nervous. But business meetings scared me the most. I envisioned people arguing. There had been a couple times I had seen that in my life where church business meetings got out of control. I didn't want that for our church. I don't believe it's Christ-like. In fact, I believe every vote in our church ought to always be unanimous. 100% no or 100% yes. Now, they've not always been that way. The deacons have never presented anything to you unless it's been unanimous. One time I had to wait two years to get a unanimous approval. But I believe if we're in one accord, the Spirit of God's not divided. And so we ought to work together in unity. I remember in early 76, I was deciding that I was going to have a business meeting, and I, I asked God to give me a verse to read to the church, and 
by his grace, I'd read it every time. And since 1976, we have read these two verses every time we've had a business meeting. It's 1 Corinthians 13 and uh, 14 and verse 33. 1 Corinthians 14, 33. For God, let's read it together. Ready? For God is not the author Now, God's not the author of confusion. The word confusion is disorder. God's not the author of disorder. God is not the author of instability or commotion is what that deals with. When, when, when disorder, it's commotion, it's, it's instability, it's disorder. Your, your family cannot be, uh, have disorder. Parents, couples, somehow you got to get on the same page. Most even Christian homes are not on the same page. There, there's no exception. Somebody is going to have to say, I submit myself to the will of one another that we have a home that's in unity. A church has to be in unif uh, unified. One of the reasons God's blessed this church so much has been a unified church, not a church of disorder. God has not given us a, a, a church of disorder. He's not the author of confusion, but of what? Peace. That's tranquility and safety. My life, your life, your marriage, my marriage, our home, your home, it has to have peace. It has to have tranquility. It has to have safety. Verse 40 was another verse we'd read. Let all things be done decently and in order. 50 years ago, well, actually 52 years ago, I bought this book. Now, I've bought, purchased many since then, but this one is dated 1979. It's in pieces. I, I read it quite often. I refer to it. It was written by Mac Douglas. We might have it in our bookstore. I think it may have been out of print. We, it's uh, how to make a habit of succeeding. I didn't know how to organize a church. I didn't know about goals. I didn't know about day timers. Now you have your, all your devices. I didn't know about that. But I read this book before I came here. And I've read it many times since. And as I read it, it taught me how on Friday, and I do a little bit on Friday, but normally on Saturday, late afternoon, it says, spend an hour and organize your week. I organize my week in 15-minute increments. Now, some of those, there's a sign on the door that says, pastor is studying. And it might be from this time in the morning to this time before noon. And that means just, if you can, unless it's emergency, leave, leave me alone. Don't call in the office. Don't bother me. I'm studying and praying. And sometimes when I'm really into it, I'm sleeping real sound. But uh, other than that, I'm trying to get work done. But I write down my schedule in 15-minute increments. I, I know what I want to accomplish that day. I know what I want to accomplish by the end of the day. I know the phone calls I want to return, and this is a time designated return phone calls and write emails back, and I write them, handwrite them, or dictate them, and then someone types them. I don't know how to do that. 
But my, I feel like my life is an organized life. I, I know where I'm going on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday, and so I know what I need to accomplish. I work in the future. Uh, Thanksgiving service is almost complete. We've been working on it together with, with different groups in my office, making sure that the people of God have a Thanksgiving service they'll never forget, like our last Lord's table on the great hymns of the faith. I, I, I want to work on all this. I have time to meet with staff and administrative staff and pastor staff and pastor's conference and to do visits and make, go, to the, go to the cemetery and pray. I love praying there and praying in my office. As I read this book, I realized that, again, there's only 56 days remaining until January 1st. And tonight I come to you as a pastor, not as a revivalist. This is not a revival message. But I want to try to challenge your heart to get an order to your life for 2024. I know where I'm going in 2024. I don't have it all completed yet, but I know personally what I want to see happen in my life. I know what I want to see happen. I already have a large goal sheet printed up. I don't know if we'll tweak it and get some more things on there. I thought of some more over the last week, but I want God's people to know, here's where we're headed. I believe you go to the year, you don't let the year come to you. I believe you go to the day you don't let the day come to you. I know what I want to see accomplished on Tuesday morning. I know in my life, I, I'm on the radio at a certain time in the morning. And I spent about an hour and a half working with radio people. We have some stations, we have about 100 in the nation. They need broadcast about two weeks ahead because they computerize them in. And I know before we have prayer meeting with the staff, I've got to get that done. I know on Monday and Tuesday, I've got to get elementary chapel done. I've got to get high school chapel done. I've got to get college chapel done. My, my preacher boys class, Wednesday night, I know where I'm going. We've finished our series, but I know where I'm going this Wednesday. I've been working on it. But it's my day to get it all together. I want you to get some goals, some ambitions, some desire, some order to your life in 2024. I'm talking about things like spiritual goals. Just think this is nothing. But if all of us would pass one gospel track a day, now for most of us that'd be terrible. But if, if, if this great crowd in here would pass one a day for 365 days, just one track, what would happen if you would pass 25 Bibles a week door to door and we have them here every year? What would happen spiritually in souls won to Christ? And what would happen in prayer time? And what would, are you going to get a journal next year? I, I'm big on a journal. I think you ought to have a journal for prayer. My wife has a beautiful one. I've never looked at it. But one day I saw it years ago and she had it out there and, and it had all these yellow marks. I said, what's that about? She goes, those are answered prayers. I was grateful that day that I have a wife that prays. Some of you dear mothers, you, you have the joy of staying home and you don't have to work a job. Most of you ladies have to work a job to help us. But I can say if you could stay home, get the kids out the door with a good meal, and that's not a frappuccino either. 
and get them fed in the morning and, and then uh, go into their rooms and maybe kneel at their beds and pray for your children. Go into bed and pray for your husband and intercede on the behalf of your family and, and have a prayer life in 2024. Those are spiritual goals. What about academic goals? What about financial goals? You own a house or you're paying for a house. Pay 10% more every month. Not taxes, not insurance, just on the principal. If your payment, and this would be an easy payment, $3,000 a month, just add 10%. Put, see, I don't have $300. We'll go steal it or something, but go find $300. I, I don't know if this is true. You people in mortgages and finance could tell me. I, I heard years ago, if you do that, you'll, you'll knock your loan, your loan in half. I don't know if that's true or not. What's your financial goals? What's your family goals? What's your personal goals? I'm not fat. But I have this thing right here. It's paid for. That roll right there. I'm going to get rid of that roll after Christmas. I'm, I'm indulging in Thanksgiving and Christmas. Bring on the sweets. I'll, I'll, I'll get my diet on later. That's hard for me because I do not like to exercise. I don't believe it's very scriptural. Can't really prove that. It profiteth little, so I'm going to do it very little. I'll promise you that. <laughs> what are you going to do with the ministry? This book helped me so much to learn how to establish a goal for my life. In our Bibles, and for the sake of time, I won't turn you there. First, Second Kings 20, verse 1. Hezekiah said, set your house in order. The same word that we read here. God does things decently in order. You have to have an order to your life. Don't, don't just sleep all the time. Get out of bed. I don't know how it works for all of us. I don't care what time I go to bed. I can get up at the same time every morning. It's just me. I'm nervous or something. I don't know. I'm not, I'm, I, I hate laying in bed. You say you're tired all the time. But I can get to heaven one day and rest. I'm not for laying in bed very much. I've got too much I want to accomplish in the little time I have left to accomplish it. Amen. I, want to, I, I want my life to count for Jesus to the finish line. He said, would you like to retire? No. Push shuffleboard with a bunch of old people that talk about their doctor appointments and arthritis and medicines, and that's it? You've got to be kidding me. I'm not retiring. You go ahead and fire me. I'm staying. I, I like living. I like getting in this thing. I like being with the young people. I, I like being with the children. I like being with the old people if they don't talk about medicine. <laughs> Today, set your house in order. God, I'm getting where I'm going. Everything, I think, everything God does is, has order. The way he created, can you imagine if God on the first day created man? It wouldn't have worked. 
God had an order of rivers and trees and sustenance, and God had a plan, and God had animal life, and God put it all together in a firmament, and God had the sun and the moon. God had an order to it, and he saved his prime best for last because man is to have dominion over the animals. Man is more sacred than an animal. And yet in this country, we think animals are more sacred than a baby. God does it in order. Prophecy is all in an order. God told us what's going to happen. Perilous times shall come. Men shall be lovers of their own selves, proud, boastful, boastful, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, incontinent. Oh, he talks about all these things that are going to take place. Despisers of those that are good, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. God told us about the rapture. God told us about this marriage supper of the Lamb. God said there's a beam of seat judgment. God says there's 21 judgments on planet Earth. God says there's a millennial reign coming. God says that Satan be bound for a thousand years. Why? God is the God of order. The sun rises. Every day you can count on it. My phone tells me what time it's going to rise tomorrow morning and what time it's going to set. Why? God's a God of order. He's spending this world on this axis. High tides at a certain hour, low tide at a certain hour. Why? That's God. God's a God of order. God's a God of order in our substance. He knew us even before when we were yet in our mother's womb. God's a God of order. He said to the nation Israel, here's 10 laws. You keep these 10 commandments. You can govern a nation. Why? God's a God of order. Everything that God does is a God of order. Here's a tabernacle. Here's how you build it. Here's how you carry it. Hey, Moses. Moses. Hey, Noah. I'm going to have you build an ark. I want it to be three floors, one door. Here's the window. I, I want you to do this. I want you to cover it with, go have gopher wood. I want you to have pitch. He had it all lined out how to do it. Here's this, the drainage system for these animals. He had it all organized. God is an orderly God. And when we're not orderly, we're not Godlike. God desires order for our life. God desires desire order in child rearing, deacon's qualification, pastor's qualification. God did worldwide missions, Acts 13. God has an order. Marriage. One man, one woman, till death do us part. That's the way God's design is. How to carry the ark. That's God's plan. Turn with me to Nehemiah. We'll get, we're, we're, we're here now. And I can wrap this thing up by tomorrow morning, I think. Nehemiah, please. As you turn to Nehemiah, <laughs> I know right where it's at. It's my favorite book. There it is, but it's not there tonight. I'm trying to break a new Bible in at home. Been reading from it in the morning. I tell you, it's the same exact Bible, but some of those books hide themselves. I'm talking tonight about setting your house in order. I hope that all of you will take this and say, okay, I'm going I'm to I'm do my best to, in the next 10 days, order my life. Get it planned for 24. Don't be haphazard about this. It's, well, I'm old. I'm whatever age is old to you. I'm retired. I'm 75. 
Why can't you have some order? Figure out what you're going to do. Figure out what you're going to accomplish. As, as we look at Nehemiah, my favorite Old Testament book, Nehemiah 1, 3, Nehemiah was in captivity, and when they said unto me, verse 3, the remnant that are left in the uh, 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 that are left in captivity there in the province are in great affliction and reproach and the wall of Jerusalem is broken down and the gates are of a burn with fire. Sounds like Israel today. And it came to pass when I heard these words I sat down, I wept, I mourned. Certain days I fasted, I prayed. Nehemiah is discovering his purpose I want to say, number one, if you're going to have an order to your life, you're going to have to have a purpose. What is your purpose? Why are you here? What are you supposed to be doing? You probably know it by heart. You've heard it so much, but it's been a couple years since I said it. I won't say it. My, my purpose, I know my purpose. It's all the letters C. And it's in this order. My purpose, why God has left me here is, number one, Christ. Secondly, it's my companion. Her name happens to be Cindy. So it's a letter C as well. But Christ, my companion, and our children and grandchildren, and this church and its ministries, and our college, and this city, and this county, and California, and this country, and my co labors. That's my tenfold purpose. So when a preacher calls me, I try to take the call as soon as I can get it. He's my purpose. A missionary calls, do you want to talk to him? I don't have time, but I want to, yes, because he's my purpose. Someone in the church has a need, you want to deal with it? Yes, I do, because that's my purpose. I know my purpose. I know why God created me. Your purpose may not be letter C's. I recall Brother Harold our associate who's going to be here in February preaching on a Sunday, Brother Andy Harrell said this, and he knew my tenfold purpose. He's pastoring in Kentucky now, his home state. But he said, Pastor, I can have the same purpose that you have because I can stay with the seas because I'm from Kentucky. <laughs> I rest my case, you folks from Kentucky. What is your purpose? I want one day to present this, to, this church to God as a glorious church, not having a spot or wrinkle, Ephesians 5. In this book that I have before me, and I rarely ever read from little booklets, but I have one paragraph I want to read you tonight. This man, he said, I had the privilege many years ago, and this was written, I've been reading it for over 50 years, I've had the privilege to have a 45-minute interview with President Harry S. Truman. I asked President Truman what we can do today to combat juvenile delinquency. His answer was firm. It was forthright. It was forceful. He said, my answer pick out their grandparents. I'll stop for a moment. I'll continue to read in a moment. 
I think grandparents are very vital in helping you to raise your kids. And if you're a grandparent tonight, you're not done. You put great effort in your grandparenting, in prayer, in encouragement, in talking to them, and giving them an ear, and spending time with them. Pick out your grandparents. Mr. Truman turned to the pictures of his two grandfathers on the wall behind the desk, and he related his warm conviction of those pioneer settlers who meant so much to his life. I could not, and I quote, I could not, President Truman said, I could not be untrue to my parents and my grandparents and to my family and to our tradition. Mr. Truman went on to say that his parents said that we should stay out of taverns and we should go to Sunday school and go to church and lead them into constructive play. Let me tell you something, that's a man who developed purpose in his life. What's your purpose? What is your purpose? Why has God left you here? And it's never to make money unless God gave you the gift to make money to invest in the work of God. Money, they that will be rich fall into temptation and snare of the devil. The stretch for money, for portfolios, for more is always a trap. God gives you that gift and he has the nine or 10, whatever you see, gifts of the spirit at salvation. God gave you the gift of giving, then thank God what he puts in deposits in your account, but use it not for yourself, but for the glory of God. Amen. I read a book just a couple years ago from two boys out of Harvard MBA. They had their masters. They were young married guys and they got a job right after they got out of college for $350,000 each and bonuses and all the other things. And here's what they said. We're both Christians. We love the Lord. And we decided with our wives, instead of giving God 10% and we keep 90, we're going to live on 10% and give God 90. It will mean that we will not drive necessarily new cars. We'll have a nice house, but not a palatial palace. They said our goal in life is to invest in the work of God. Why are you here? Nehemiah had a purpose. His purpose is to put a wall around a city so that the Jews could be protected. Well, someone put a wall around America. Secondly, I see if you're gonna have order, not only do you have to have purpose, you have to have planning. Chapter two. Verse number 12 and 13. I rose in the night, I and some few men with me. Neither had told any man what God had put in my heart to do at Jerusalem. I went out, verse 13, by night. He said, I viewed, verse 15, by night. I viewed the wall. The rulers knew not, verse 16, whether I went or what I did. I did not tell it to the Jews, the priests, the rulers, or the rest of the work. And then said I unto them, ye see the distress that we're in, how that Jerusalem lieth waste, and the gates that are burned with fire. Come and let us build up the wall of Jerusalem, that we have no more a reproach. I told them the good hand of my God, which was good upon me. And they said, rise up and build. 
He planned. He, he planned what he was going to do. He went out and viewed. Please, I'm asking you by November 15th, and it'd be too late after that. Thanksgiving's on us. Christmas is on us. You can't plan for 2024 after November 15th. It's too late. You're going to have to plan. Some of it's going to be personal. Some of it's going to be you and your mate if you're married. Some of it's going to be you and your family. But would you spend some time planning what you're supposed to do? He went and viewed the walls. He prayed for four months from the month of Nisan to the month of Cheslu, chapter 1 and chapter 2. He prayed for four months from uh, December to April. He just prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed. Uh, we're, we don't have four months to 2024, but could you pray tonight? Can you pray this week? Can you pray as you organize? What, what, God, what do you want me to do? God, do you want me to be a bus captain? And uh, the answer is yes. We have to, we must, we must rescue these kids. We just must rescue these kids. This church is so good to us. They're paying the insurance. They're paying the $6 a gallon diesel fuel. Uh, they're paying, uh, they paid $1.5 million for buses recently, cash. Uh, they went to Oklahoma and picked them up. 16, 17, 18 men or more came across country with 15 buses to this place. I'll tell you what, our church has been good. And now let's get, get our buses filled and bring them into the house of God. Amen. It's gonna take some planning. It's going to take some purpose. Let me give you one more and I'm done. It's going to take some performance. In chapter number four, chapter three deals more with the, how they organized everybody built by their house. But in chapter four, verse two, Sanballat came and he was wroth that they took indignation. What do these feeble Jews? They fortify themselves and make uh, heaps of the rubble that are burned. And Tobias said, even if a fox go up, he shall break down their stone wall. They began to ridicule. They attacked in chapter four and in chapter five and chapter six. Friend, when you're under attack, you're probably doing something right. Whatever you say, rise up and build, the devil will say, rise up and oppress. As we approach this great opportunity, though there will be problems, I want you to know that if you do not plan for 24, you'll exactly accomplish it. My dad, bless his heart. I thank him so much this year, he'd be 100 if he was alive. My favorite song this year has been Great Is Thy Faithfulness because that was written the year he was born, 1923. And I tell you what, I think of my dad so often, how they never stopped. Adversity came, trials came, difficulties came, disappointments came. But he's so focused as a, really, at first a tow truck driver, had a, owned a gas station in Milwaukee, and then a tow truck driver, and then a service contract writer, and then a businessman, a salesman, not educated in college. That man had such a love for his family, a love for his wife, a love for his God. He, he 
influenced my life so much. Whatever God's done in my life is because I had such a great dad and mother. I want to challenge you today. Get your family together. Get your home together. Get some plan of attack. I had one of our members, his wife doesn't come, but he comes faithfully, as faithfully as he can. And he texted me this week. He said, Pastor, my wife and I are studying the Bible together. What do you think? And he gave me a Bible verse. What, 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 what's your explanation? What's your thought? Oh, he's probably listening right now. That just blessed my heart. That he and his wife were reading their Bible together. Are you going to have family Bible time? You say, well, I don't know how to do it. Well, then one of these great deacons and deacons' wives or staff members or a seasoned Titus II Christian. I don't mean this rude to marry your seasoned Christian. Been saved for all these years. Been a member of this church 40 years. Go ask her, ladies, how do you have a family Bible time? There's no dad in your home. No husband in your home. Ask her. And there's scores of women in this church like that. It doesn't have to be long. Figure out which song you're going to sing. Sing a song. Maybe everybody at Christmas, I, I'm a big proponent that every child, if he doesn't have a song book, ought to get a song book at Christmas. These are not $50. They're not $25. They're, they're inexpensive. Buy it in the bookstore. We did every year. We, we, our kids had so many hymn books. Sing with your kids. Imagine sing with your kids. One of my grandkids, uh, I forget what, uh, well, all of our grand, but they, at times we've been around with, and they've told me great old hymns that they, that's my favorite song. A mighty fortress is my God, or whatever it might be. When morning gilds the sky, may Jesus Christ be praised. Read some scripture. Read a few verses in Proverbs. Don't read the whole proverb if you've got a four-year-old sitting there. Read a verse or two. Take some prayer requests. Take some praise and have a word of prayer. Let it last at first for five minutes. Maybe some days it'll grow to 10 or 15. But try to do something. Pray together. Get a list of the mission. I gave you, we just gave you a book with all the pictures of all of our missionaries. You still have it? Yeah, get that out and say, tonight we're going to Bolivia. Let's pray for our missionaries in Bolivia. I mean, let's put something into 2024. Are you going to play sports with your kids? Basketball? Baseball? Football? Soccer? Are you going to enjoy time with your kids? You're going to take rides with your kids? Christmas is coming. You know what we think about Christmas around here. Every night, my wife and I will go look at Christmas lights. Rob's going to go with us one night. He's buying hot chocolate for the whole crowd, aren't you, Rob? I'm talking about the fact I want you to have the best year you've ever had. But you're going to have to set some things in order. You're going to have to figure some things out. Most arrive at December 31st, 2023. You have not read this book from cover to cover. It takes about 12 minutes a day. 
about three chapters a day. You'll get Bible reading schedules for young children. You'll get them for high school kids. You'll get them for adults. You'll get a Bible reading schedule that takes you through. And most of you, if you're raising kids, you can't do this. But many of your kids are gone. It, it, it takes you through the entire Bible in one month. If you've never done it, it's the best. That means on January 1st, you read all of the book of Genesis, 50 chapters. And January 2nd, you read 40 chapters in Exodus. And you read by the end, by the fifth day, you've read Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. It's a lot of reading. But you know, as you get your children leaving your house, you're going to have time to do it. I have more time than you do. You're raising your family. And so for years now, years, in January, I read it all the way through. Oh, you're a great Christian. No, I'm not raising these sons or daughters. You are. I don't read it at the office. I don't take office time. I don't take work time. I don't think that's fair to you. But I'm going to make sure that 2024 is the best. I'm going to do, do my very, very best to give you my best. I'm going to do my best to give that lady my best. We didn't get to leave to go anywhere again this year. We didn't go anywhere last year. My wife's speaking at a ladies' conference in the Deep South, and she's never, she, she doesn't do that. She just, I want to be here. And she said, I'll be preaching down. And she goes, we're going to go for a couple weeks. She thinks three, but I can't, I can't do three. But I'm so excited later, toward the end of next year, about a year from now, spending two days, three days with her, a week, two weeks, and if she gets her way three weeks, I don't want to be away from you. I don't want to be alone with her for three weeks. Who knows what kind of to-do list I'm going to have when I get home. She's going to be making a to-do list. That's part of our plan next year. My sister passed away two days ago, two years ago, two days, two, two years and two days ago. Yesterday, no, yesterday. Yesterday was the day. All she did was turn over in bed about 2.30 in the morning and died. I'll tell you what. If this is my last year to live, I want to make it my best. I want to do more for God, more for my family, more for my wife, more for this church. I want to make this year count. Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us, visit our website at nvbc.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.